0: Woo! It goes from dark to light in here quick. Can't see nothing. That's great. Hey, welcome. Glad you, you are here this morning. I am excited to be here with you. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, you do this a little while, and th- there are times when you're more nervous, and there are times when you're less nervous, and I don't know why, but today I'm a little nervous, so just be with me. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was super nice of you guys. Oh. Aw. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good, though. Uh, God is good, and uh, and it's good that we get to be together to start the new year off. And I hope that uh, what we talk about this morning will be encouraging to you. But I want to start off with a discouraging story, because why not, right? Let's just dig into that. So I have this old picture. Look at that guy. Uh, that's me on the right, not, not the guy in the helmet, because I'm not that crazy. Um, and So this picture, I've come to enjoy this picture. I like this picture. But I'm going to tell you, the guy that's in the picture wiping that windshield is not very happy in that moment. And I'll tell you why. So six months before this, this is in March of 2014, six months before this, I have my dream job. Uh, I'm working for a race team that I've worked for for six years. Most of the people that I work with have been there for all of those six years. And uh, we were pretty tight. We were pretty close. we were so close that three of us had kids within three months of each other, so that, that's a thing, I guess. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but it just felt like we were all working and growing and living life together. And I had been offered the opportunity to go and work full-time at the shop for the first time in my career. So for the first time in six years, I was considering, could I do this uh, full-time with my family? And uh, about, about a month later, our primary sponsor pulled out, and uh, the shop closed their doors, and I was out of a job. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It was rough. It, it was not fun. And so I was left thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I never thought I would leave that team. So I didn't really make a lot of connections outside of that team with other, other groups of people. And so I was really left wondering, where am I going to land? And I got a call one day from the guy who's riding the bike named Larry. And he was a little bit of an older guy. He was on the backside of his career. And he's like, hey, uh, I talked to some other people around the paddock, and they say that you do a good job. We'd like to have you on our team, and I'm like, well, this is the only offer I have, so I guess I'm going to take it. So I took it, uh, and you know, the part of me was excited because I got to keep doing what I love to do. Um, but I went. We we did some testing before the season, and it was not going well. Let me just say, it was a bit disorganized. The bikes were a mess. Um, through, not my rider's fault, but just. A lot of things were not going well. And so this is our very first practice of the year. We're about six minutes into practice, and that motor is already blowing up. I'm wiping down the screen because it's it's pushing water out, which doesn't mean anything to most of you. But just when I tell you that it was blowing up and it was not good, that is the case. And so I was frustrated in this moment. I was like, I cannot believe that I'm here doing this uh, right now. This is, this is not where I wanna be, not who I wanna be. So if you have ever been in a position where you were like passed over or where you were looking at your place and you were like, why am I here? You know how I was feeling in that moment. It took some confidence and some courage to stick with that throughout the year. I learned a ton. I ended up learning so much from that team, not the way that I would have chosen to do it. But it took some courage And sometimes we look at our life with Jesus and we need to have courage. But here's the thing, the courage that it takes to stick with a team or with a job or wherever you are in your life that you're like, I don't know if I belong here, I don't know if I fit here, I think is different than the courage it takes to stick with Jesus. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, We're taking a closer look at Mary and Joseph's courage We're going to look at what it meant to walk with Jesus early in his life. And then we're going to look at what does it mean for all of us to have strength and courage with God. Uh, I'm hoping that you'll find some inspiration for this new year ahead. Um, I'm hoping that you'll find that you can put your courage and your trust and your confidence in God. So here's what we're looking at this morning. Courage means living boldly with God despite any outward pressure or fears we may feel. So uh, if you haven't yet, or if you have, you can download the Uversion app. Uh, You can pull that up and uh, go to events and more, or more and events, and see uh, everything that we're going to talk about this morning, and and questions for the week ahead. If you're in a, a group that discusses what we talk about, or if you just want to go home later and and think about it a little bit more deeply, you can use those as well. So we're going to start in Matthew, and we're going to look at this kind of final chapter of Jesus' birth story, and we're going to see what happens. The wise men have just visited. Uh, If you know anything about the Bible, you know it probably didn't happen you know, like you have the nativity and like the shepherds and the wise men. That's probably not how it happened. Uh, Jesus was probably a toddler a little bit later in life when the, when the wise men showed up. And Mary and Joseph seemed to have kind of settled in to their space in Bethlehem until this moment right here. So we're in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Not very good news. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So if you've been here for the last month or so, you've heard Ryan talking about God with us, which was an incredible series. It was so good to hear the ways that God is with us through all of the things that bring chaos and disorder and disrupt our lives. And it was inspiring to me to to remember that God is with us. God is with me. God is with you through all of it through whatever is happening in life, through whatever we're going through. But it always leads me to ask the question, but to what purpose? Why is God with us? Because we know God doesn't do things just happenstance. God's not just like, ah, I'm going to do this thing. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> right? God, God has reasons. He has plans. He has thoughts about the work that he is doing in our lives. And for sure, I think if we're honest, the last few years have been a bit chaotic, right? We, we sometimes have that question of like, God, what in the world are you doing? And I think Mary and Joseph must have been in a similar position, don't you think? They're, they're like, all right, so first you come and tell us that we're going to have the Savior of the world. Fine, okay, uh, we accepted that. Now we got to go to Bethlehem, uproot our entire lives do this whole thing, have a baby in a stable. That is not what we planned. Then things seem like they're getting better, and suddenly we have to leave because Herod is after Jesus, and he's wrecking havoc on the world around them. It must have been the wildest ride you could be on. And the good fortune was that the wise men had left these amazing gifts That would have changed the course of mary and joseph's lives there's some evidence that this was what enabled them to flee and to be safe in the things that they did but how how could they have confidence how could they have possibly known that they could go to egypt and be safe i think that they believed the promises that were given to them The angel has no hesitation, and it says that Joseph got up and did exactly as God asked him to do. See, Mary and Joseph are just simple people in many ways. They're not not priests. They're not rabbis. They're not leaders in the temple. They don't get up and go, hmm, should we do this? I don't know. Let's read through the Bible and see if there's any promises that have to do with fleeing to Egypt. Um, let's consider this. Let's go talk to the the elders and the chief priests. No, they just believed God, and they made it happen. I think for a lot of us, we admire what Mary and Joseph did, right? But there's also a piece of us that's like, I would never do that. How many of you are in that boat? You may not say it in those words. But there's thoughts in your mind. There's the ways that we act about what God does in our lives that say, I don't know if I would trust that message very much. I think we now have more access to stories about what God has done, to knowledge about the Bible, to all of the ways that God has been faithful over thousands of years. And we're more fearful than ever maybe I don't know. I haven't lived very long, so I can't say that that that's true. But I can say that it feels like this is a period in time where we're more fearful than we have been in the past. I think it's safe to say. So if we're people who are Jesus followers, who are putting our confidence and our trust and hopefully some courage into the life that God is leading how do we do that? How do we become people who don't live in to that fear, but instead live with courage. I think God calls us to something in Joshua. Uh, you remember the story of Joshua? The, the, the nation of Israel had been slaves in Egypt, and they were moved out, and they, they went on this big journey, and uh, they go to look and see where God is taking them, and they send spies in to see what's gonna happen, see how much trouble they're gonna be in, and the spies come back and they're like, there is no way that we can do this. And uh, the people believe them, and so God says, all right, fine, you don't believe me? You're gonna spend a few years thinking about it. Uh, Anybody ever given that punishment to their kids or their grandkids or something? They're like, you don't believe me? All right, here it goes. My dad once said to me, you know, <laughs> you want to cry about it? I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, that didn't happen too many times. <laughs> oh. God, you're so fun. So, so they spend 40 years waiting, just chilling out waiting, and Moses is almost dead. They come back to this place and they're ready. They're waiting. They know that God is about to take them through. And so this is what it says in Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you'll be on land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all of the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people To possess all the land I swore to their ancestors, I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's giving Joshua this message. Notice his command isn't to be, go and be a warrior. Go and do feats of strength. Go and be amazing. Now, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, it is not your strength that's going to get you through 2024. Amen? Sort of. (laughs) You guys are almost there. It is not our strength that's going to get us through. God has to be our strength. We have to rely on God to deliver on this promise. This command is not just the command of, you know, you have to do this the right way or else. God is inviting Joshua to be his person. God is inviting Joshua to make God his person. God is inviting Joshua to see that God is capable of so much more than Joshua's fears would let him believe. In this, uh, the word courage is, can also be translated to good cheer, which is also boldness or confidence. God is saying, listen, this is going to be tough, but I want you to smile through it. I want you to have good cheer because I am with you. Courage in this example is faith that God will deliver. Where is your courage today? Are you confident in the promises of God? Anybody here know how many promises God makes in the Bible? Many. That's a good guess. That's a great guess. Uh, it's actually kind of debatable. So uh, one, one scholar I found says there's almost 7,500 promises. I think that's probably a bit excessive. I don't know, but I haven't read through the Bible to, to add them all up. Uh, some others say there's about 3,500 promises of God. Um, either way, it's a lot, right? right? Anything over 1,000 feels like, yeah, that's pretty significant, right? Um, there's a lot. God promises a ton of stuff to us. And the question is, what do we know about his promises? See, courage or faith allows us to see what is possible with God. Courage allows us to dream and accept what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of people around us. But here's the thing. We've got to know what they are. We can't accept promises when we don't know what they are. I think there's two things that we need to do in order to understand We need to study who God is. We need to know the promises that God is making to us. We need to see that God has been delivering on those promises for literally the entire life of the earth. You ever thought about that? God begins at the very beginning with promises that he is going to do good things for human beings for this earth. His plan has never changed from day one God created this place out of his awesome love and that has never stopped okay that's number one number two our part we need to make a commitment to trusting God with our faith with our futures with our hope and some of you are like I don't know if I can do that that's okay it's okay to ask that question. It's okay to have that doubt. It's our right to be real with God. It's our right to be real with each other. Listen, we don't want to be the kind of place where you got to put on the fake smile. We want your smile to be the real good cheer that God brings. And if that's not present in your life, then tell us. Tell somebody. Tell God first. Tell us second. And let's work on that together. I hope that your groups are places where you can be real about what's going on in your life. I hope that you show up sometimes and you can just be like, I don't know what God is doing in my life. And your group comes around you and says, cool, we're going to sit here and live with you through this and experience this together because that's what we're made for. That's what God is making in us. If you're under 18 or if you have not been walking with Jesus very long, I want you to know this. There are hard things happening in life. There are tough things that are going to happen in your life. Give God a chance. He is going to work in you. You don't have enough experience with God yet to know exactly how all of this stuff is going to turn out. Lean on the people around you who do trust God lean on God's promises to you to say I'm going to be with you no matter what. We have we have that ability. We have that call to stick in there with God. It's going to feel tough. It's going to be difficult. He never promises us that we won't have difficulty. But he continually promises us, just like he did to Joshua, I am with you. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Give him time to see that through in your life. If you've been with Jesus for a long time, if you are like me and you've been in the church since you were able to open your eyes, whatever, from the very beginning... We have a job to show what God has done in our lives, too. We need to tell our stories. We need to wear our faith as hope for those who don't have it yet. Our lives, our lives with God, get to be the encouragement for people who don't know yet how much Jesus loves them. They haven't experienced the faith and the promise yet. We get to be those people we get to be the good cheer for others who need a little bit of it. So, <laughs> in uh, in September of uh, of 2015, so about a year and a half after that picture I showed you, I was just starting a full time job in youth ministry, and I think it's significant what happened in March of 2014, because if I had gone and become this full-time mechanic, I don't think what happened in 2015 would have happened. I think God would have taken me somewhere else and I would be a different person today. That's my guess anyway. I I don't know for sure what would have happened. But I became a full-time youth pastor uh, that summer of 2015. And I knew that I would be uh, retiring from my race job. We were having our our second child and uh Garrett was born in October of 2015 so it was good timing i needed to be home needed to be around the family more and uh so i was excited to start ministry but i was not the guy you see in front of you today um i had done youth ministry for a long time and i was good with that i enjoyed it i loved it um but it had always been in a volunteer and a part-time uh, position and that year um, I, I was not sure. I was not sh- I went into it not confident, not with a lot of courage. And, uh, and then that fall, uh, one of my students died in a really tragic way. And it was, it was the hardest thing I think I'd ever faced. And I, when I tell you that I felt completely ill-equipped to deal with it, <laughs> that's no joke. It's totally true that I didn't know what I was going to do. And the, the interim pastor we had at the time who hired me uh, was a, a big encouragement in my life and, and for sure changed the trajectory of, of my life. And, uh, and he was like, you have to speak at the funeral. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I've never spoken in front of the church in a significant way. A funeral for a student is not the way that I uh, envisioned that beginning. But he said to me, this is what you signed up for. This is who God made you to be. This, this is where you need to be. You have everything you need as long as the spirit goes with you. How do you say no to that? <laughs> so I, I looked at everything that we did that week differently differently. Uh, we had some time for the kids to come together and talk about their friend, and I got to hear stories that I had never heard. I knew Matthew for a few years, but um, I hadn't heard all of these stories, and it was, it was great. Uh, it was also difficult. I had some students suspicious of me because I was new. They, they didn't know that they could trust me yet. They didn't know that they could tell me the things that were happening in their lives and that I would, I would handle that with care. So I got to relate some of those stories at the funeral, and, uh, and I got to become friends, uh, like really deeply friends with, with Matthew's mom. And she turned out to be one of the greatest encouragements to me in ministry uh, in some really dark moments of my own. And it was totally unexpected, and it came from this place where it was easy to not have courage it was easy to not see the ways that God was at work in that moment but to walk through that season and to see God show up and to know that he had put all of us in that place for that moment to be those people to understand his love and his care for us it didn't make any of that easier it didn't make any of it fun to walk through but it gave us hope for the future because he sustained us in the moment when we needed it. That is what God is about in our lives. He is about sustaining you and giving you hope for your future. I, I want to share this story with you um, from 2 Kings. So, There's this guy named Elisha, and he is a prophet, and he is... Um, is Kind of a second-generation prophet. So Elijah was was first, and he trained up Elisha. And now Elisha is this powerful man of God. In fact, he's referenced man of God in this uh, passage, and he has started a school to raise up prophets to be able to speak to other people in the in the area. And Elisha is training them, and things are going so well that the school is growing, and they have reached their their. Uh, their largest point, and so they're kind of busting at the seams. So the, the students, they come to Elisha, and they're like, look, like we're growing. We need more space, so let's move over here by the Jordan River. There's lots of wood there. We can build the structures that we need. Let's move the school there. Elisha's like, okay, you guys go. And they're like, no, 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 no. Come with us. We need you. Elisha's like, all right. So that's the, uh, that's the, the context for this it says in verse 5, but as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Now, we might think borrowed axe, not a big deal, right? These guys, they were not well paid, okay? <laughs> they were typical prophets where they kind of lived based on the gratitude and, and the, the charity of others. And so, in, in Hebrew, this word borrowed actually means begged for. This was an ax that didn't belong to him, and not only did he have to ask for it, he had to beg for it from someone else. So I'm sure there is a high level of panic in this moment, right? What am I going to do? I cannot repay the person who has given me this ax, and it is gone. Because this section of the Jordan River is deep and fast, So his expectation is, not only did it fall in and disappear to the bottom, it probably disappeared to the bottom a mile away. It's gone, never to be seen again. And the panic is, I can't pay for it. This is a real life moment where this guy is like, I might as well throw myself in the river because this is not going to work well. This is not going to end well. But watch what Elisha does here. Where did it fall? The man of God asked when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. Such a cool story, such a small thing, but what a display of what God can do to ease our fears in life. I was listening to this woman named uh, named Nadine. She's uh, she's a pastor and a speaker. She talks about early in her ministry, the very first time she's going to speak at church. Um, she's an African-American, and so in their tradition, there's, there's a woman in the church called the mother of the church. And she's kind of like the mother of everyone, all right? So you, you look to this woman as a respected elder, and Nadine gets up to speak, and the mother turns her chair around and faces the wall the whole time she speaks. It's devastating. It crushes her spirit. She's like, why would you do that? And for 10 years, this memory lingers in Nadine's life. She limits what God is trying to do in her life. When people ask her to speak, she says, no, I'm not feeling well. No, this other person is way more qualified to do it than me. No, I can't do it. And finally, God has had enough with Nadine. And he says, listen, I've called you to this. And so he says to her, when she hears this passage, where have you left your courage? Show me the place where you gave up your faith and your hope in me. Let's go back there. I'm going to throw a stick in the water, and we're going to recover your courage. Because I've called you to this. I have equipped you to this. This is who you are. This is who you are supposed to be. Don't forget that you have courage. So she does, she goes back, and she's been at a church for 19 years since that day, has done amazing, fruitful ministry, because she realized what God had called us to. Now, it's easy for us to sit back and think, okay, but that's pastors, and that's prophets, and that's people who invest their entire life with God. And it's easy to say, well, that's your job, Pastor DJ, (laughs) not mine, because that's not what God has called me to. And I beg to differ, because just like Mary and Joseph, you are not theologically trained the same way. In some ways, you may consider yourself a simple believer in Jesus. You may say, "I I don't know enough to be that confident. I disagree. Just like Mary and Joseph, we can believe what God has to say about us. We can talk about in the New Testament the ways that Paul calls us all priesthood, right? Calls us to the priesthood. He says that that we are all priests underneath Jesus, who is our high priest. We are all people who get to speak the word of God to each other and to others in our lives. Courage. Courage enables us to not only admire Mary and Joseph on their journey with Jesus, it allows us to go on a similar journey with him. It allows us to have confidence that he is going to do the same hope and promised saving that he does with them in Egypt. Courage means living boldly with God despite any outward pressure or fears we may feel. Our courage doesn't come from within. It's time for us to discover our courage with God. It's time for us to go back to the river and throw the stick in. Say, God, here's where I lost my confidence in you and your life for me. Give God a chance to float that ax head, to float your courage back to the surface. This morning, we're going to finish by singing a song. And it talks directly about this. I want you to sing this song. If you have been with Jesus and you have lots of courage with Jesus, sing this song this morning as a declaration of your confidence and your hope and your courage with Jesus. If you don't yet, sing it as a prayer. Sing it as what you're hoping for, what you're praying for in 24. Sing it as a way for you to connect with the God who created you and loves you and wants so much more for your life than you might be able to see right now. We can have courage, we can have faith that God is for us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the promises that you have made. God, I ask this morning that you would help us to dig into those promises, to see you, to get closer to you, to see this command, to be strong and courageous, not as some outside, way crazy um, demand from you, but as an invitation to get to know you better, to get to love you differently, to get to understand that you have so many hopes and dreams for our lives just like we do. God, I thank you that you promise to never fail and to never abandon us. Give us hope and promise in those invitations. In your name, Jesus.